When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hi. Hey. Welcome. How are you? (laughs) We're doing well. How are you? I'm good. I was having some technical difficulties Uh, on my phone. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. In the world of Zoom everything is a technical difficulty it's a, it's uh i i uh about this uh, i'm chris and i'm courtney uh, hi and, and thanks for coming to hang out with us today on tpq20 um as a as a teacher over the for, as a teacher the last couple of years have felt like zoom is a big technical difficulty so <laughs> we totally get it yeah this past year and a half has just been one whole technical difficulty <laughs> i think in every possible way but it's so nice to meet both of you very nice to meet you as well. Um, so yeah, we'll jump right into things. Uh, we always like to start things off by saying we know who you are, uh, but our audience may not. So if you mm-hmm. were to give your elevator pitch of who you are, uh, who are you? Sure. Um, well, I'm relatively new to the poetry world. Um, this year, I've had three books accepted for publication, and it's really been like a whirlwind for me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a mother of three. I've been a public school teacher in Connecticut for the past, I think this is my 20th year teaching. Um, and you know, I, I've been writing my whole life, but, uh, in 2017, a lot of, a lot of things happened and it kind of, um, you know, I think for a lot of writers, when something tragic happens or something traumatic happens, it sort of opens a creative well. Um, And that's what happened to me in 2017. I just started writing um, the following year after some tragic events and came out with three books. And I, you know, had planned to be submitting. I was like, oh, I'll be submitting for five to 10 years. And then maybe (laughs) something published and, um, really just it's been it's just been incredible um you know how fortunate i've been and the the folks that have you know the publishing companies that have picked up my work are just wonderful and run by really amazing editors um so i i mean i i grew up in michigan so uh and i live in connecticut now i moved out to massachusetts and went to college and then um you know, it was always my hope to live in New England. I think I really romanticized New England. Like a lot of people that grow up in the Midwest, all we want to do is get out, you know? Um, and that was true for me. And I've just sort of been here. I've just been here ever since. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> so um, we both were public school teachers and children of public oh. school This is, this is your, your 19 for me, so I... Okay. Uh, I'm right there with you. The uh, the Zoom world of education has has caused a lot of of change in the way that uh, 
well, the way that everybody kind of works in a classroom environment these days. Yeah, it certainly has. So outside of education, um, what are some of your uh, passions, um, maybe outside of that world of education and inside of the world of literature? Wow, what a question. Um, I just try to read as much as I possibly can. And for me, reading is kind of like writing. I go through not phases, but I go through periods, like really robust periods mm. with reading and very robust periods with writing. And then I'll have periods of time where I, I just can't write at all, or I just can't read at all. Um, so when I'm in that place where I can be reading, I just like, I'll stock up on books <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, you know, wait for that time when I can really, when I have that attention and spend a lot of time reading. Um, the last book I finished was Liar by Jessica Coelho. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. Um, I have I brought some books with me because I was like, I bet they're going to ask me about books. <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask if we could be nosy and what you were stocking up on. We'd love to know. Yeah. Um, I've got, let's see, I've got Write It, which is 100 Poetry Prompts by Jessica Jacobs and Nicole Brown. Nice. It was very pretty. Oh, I love um, it. I love that cover. Yeah, so I use that. That's a really great prompt book. Um, I was going to say, it, it has it has bell work. Uh, it has, it's, you know, all over it. I do this. I have my students walk into either a poem or a quote. So that was that looks about the same. Yeah, yeah. It, hey, what works for them a lot of times works for us, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, this is If the House by Molly Spencer. That's pretty. Um, yeah, which was, she's actually a Michigan writer. Um, you know, I'm reading Naomi Nye. I've got Todd Kaneko here. I just picked up his book at um, the Connecticut Lit Fest yep. that I, I was a reader at a few weeks ago. And then this was like in my pile of books. It's The Death of a Migrant Worker by Gil Arzalo. Hmm. Um, and he won the Rattle Chapbook Prize. Oh, and wow, okay. After I was published in Rattle, they you get like free subscriptions to everything with them for the first year. So I got a bunch of books and this just must have gotten lost in the pile and it's brilliant. Cool. Um, cool. So yeah, and in terms of other passions, I it's funny when people ask me that question because um, you know, I have a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And then I teach middle school kids all day. So outside of poetry, um, my passion is like sleeping <laughs> and and binge watching TV. We understand. What's your, yeah. what's what, are your you watching lately? Yeah, what are you watching? I've been watching Homeland. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And I, wa I think I, wa I watched it like the first few seasons years ago, but I don't remember a lot of it. Um, and I just watched the first episode of Yellow Jackets. It's a new Showtime show. Um, and that was really great, too. The first episode was really great anyway. I haven't I haven't heard of that one yet. I, I think one. I watched the first couple of Homeland when it first came out. But I also yeah. have a brain injury, so I have amnesia. So I have the luxury of, and it's a benefit okay. of amnesia. I forget the things that I've watched. Um, and then I get to go back and rewatch them because I can't remember anything about what I've watched before. Oh, wow. So I get to watch a lot of things over again. Hey, right now we're binging the nanny. So, you know, life is good. <laughs> That's great. Well, I so I also love to travel, but 
I forget to mention that because it's the past couple of years, you know, I really haven't gone anywhere. So prior to COVID, um, I did a lot of traveling. I would travel as much as I could with my kids. Um, you know, we, I've, I took my daughter to Paris and to Italy and I've taken my son to Iceland, um, and was just trying to make that a part of our lives. And then COVID sort of stopped everything. And I've had trouble getting back into it. What would be your next great trip? Oh, that's a great question. Right before COVID started, I, I had a trip planned. Um, it was a World War II tour of Europe. Oh, wow. Um, with my 16-year-old son, because he's a history buff and I'm a history teacher. Um, and like it was paid for and everything. And then COVID shut everything down. Um, so, you know, I'll always kind of regret. And he's going to college next year. Um, so I'll kind of regret not having been able to do that with him. But my dream location is Austria. Oh, that would I've be a always, trip. Yeah, I've always wanted to see Austria, like, in the winter. I'm not really, probably, I watched, like, The Sound of Music too much. Uh-huh. As I, sure. I'm right with you. I can... <laughs> I can completely understand. There are a couple of places I have like that that are nostalgia or I just think, oh, I really want to go here. And then I think I must have watched a movie or something when I was young that implanted. And now I just there's something in me that I want to travel to that one place at this one time of year for some reason. Yeah, it's it's funny how that happens. So when it comes to writing and uh, what is your do you have a process that you go through? I mean, you obviously uh, from from the way that your trajectory has gone the last couple of years, it seems like you, you know, you shut yourself in a room and, and wrote 24 hours a day, uh, nonstop until three books were done. Um, but what is, I mean, what is the process or were those pieces that took years to come up with? Um, how did, how did you get to where you are now? Um, It's, I knew that we were going to be talking about process and it's such a weird thing to talk about because it just depends. It depends on the poem. It depends on, um, you know, I can want to write a particular poem and it never comes. And then, you know, one day I'll just be walking through the grocery store and I'll see something that eventually becomes a poem. So I do, you know, technically I do use the notes app on my phone uh, because, you know, our phone is like another appendage Mm -hmm. and I always have it nearby. So, you know, I have, um, I use the notes app and anytime I have an idea or an image or something that might work, I put it um, in the notes app. I'm a very early riser. I get up very early. And I think, uh, you know, when you have children, sometimes that's the only time that you have to yourself. So even on weekends for a while, I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning making coffee and I would have a couple hours, you know, before the kids would get up. And I, I really did my best writing at that time. Um, I was very focused. It was still dark out. You know, the sun is kind of coming up with your creativity as you're caffeinating, Um, (laughs) you know, so that's, that's part of it. And then the the books that i've written um you know there have been points where i've gotten stuck 
And so I think there are two things that I've done that have worked really, you know, really well when I've felt stuck. Um, one is to try a different style of poem. So for example, when I was writing Night Swim, which was, which won the, the, um, the 2021 Diode Editions book contest, I wanted to write about what happened around the tragic events that I wrote about. Um, but there were certain things like I didn't know how to turn them into poems. You know, I didn't know how to turn um, a police report into a poem. So I wrote my first erasure poem where I actually took the police report and, um, you know, waited to see what emerged as I was blacking things out. Or I read, um, there were like six or seven different police reports about one of the events. And so I read all of them. And every time I, I saw an image that seemed to connect to another image, or there was a, um, a pattern of words that were being used, I would jot those down and kind of let the poem appear that way. So rather than try to um, say, oh, like, let me be, let me just be creative and um, try to find some brilliant imagery or something. I just let, the, it doesn't always work, you know. <laughs> no. um, I just let the poem appear in the dialogue or the reports themselves. You know, for example, um, my nephew who passed away before he passed away, about a month before he died, he got a new pair of glasses. And there were these beautiful blue framed glasses and they had taken Christmas photos in the glasses. Um, and after he passed away in the police reports, the police mentioned the glasses, you know, in three different places. And so a poem formed from that, you know, um, finding the glasses completely clean on a table with his note next to them, you know, that had blood on it. Um, just, just something like that, where there was, you know, in reading it, if you weren't a poet, you may not notice um, where the patterns come up and what's poet. I mean, what's poetic about a police report, you know? Um, but we can we can find things. And then the other tool that I've used when I felt stuck is to have someone else look at my work. Um, you know, I've used an editor to actually Lynn Schmidt, I think, has a, has a chat book coming out with you guys. They sure do. <laughs> they, uh, the sexy time will be out in February. Yeah. Valentine, Valentine's Day sexy time will be uh, will be unleashed upon the world. <laughs> yeah. So Lynn was my editor on all oh. three of my manuscripts. Oh, that's um, wonderful. That's awesome. And they're a really good friend also. So that, you know, being able to have someone else see connections or make suggestions or look for a pattern or a theme um, is, is really powerful. Do you, so when did you, so given you've been, uh, so did you have, well, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. What, uh, with, with the series of poems that you've written over the last several years, how far back did the, did the, you know, what is that oldest poem there? Were you holding on to something for, you know, 20 years? Was there something that finally came to fruition that, that allowed an opening for you with one of the three books? 
That's a really great question. There, there are probably two poems that come to mind. One is the poem, Holy Places, which is in Night Swim. And it's a poem about playing with my child, my toddler on the floor, you know, building Play-Doh snowmen and, um, you know, building with blocks and in a patch of sunlight. You know, it's kind of, it's a nostalgic sort of um, poem but I ended up using that poem in the manuscript from a different perspective. So after losing a child in our family, um, you know, it, to suicide, everything is different. You know, everything looks different. And those memories of playing with your own children feel different. Everything feels um you know, in trying to remember things, there's a sadness that kind of, uh, that colors everything, even when you don't want it to, or memories that were happy suddenly become tinted with this sort of sadness. And so I took that poem and I, I, I didn't change very much of it, but the last line in the poem is about realizing that, you know, this moment, like this patch of sunlight on the floor and playing with these blocks, that that was the holy place. You know, that there, there really aren't any other holy places. And that when I wrote it, it was really a love poem for my son, who's now nine. Um, but it turned into, it turned into a, a you know, kind of a, a sonorous poem. Um, you know, for, for Frankie and for my nephew. Um, yeah, so there, that's, that's the one, the, you know, the poem that comes to mind that, that was really old. I had that in an original chapbook manuscript that I had started building maybe seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. And it never, you know, it never got picked up for publication because it wasn't ready. Right. Wasn't ready to be. I think there's always that right time that we find things for, which kind of takes us to: um, Have you found um, in your process that you've come across um, timing as one of those pitfalls that sometimes we find ourselves in, or any other pitfalls in the writing process um, through your journey, and how have you handled them? Timing, meaning what exactly? Um, meaning maybe the right time or place, or are there any other pitfalls that you've uh, come across in your writing journey? So I think that idea of having that, of having the right timing so that, you know, knowing to, uh, knowing to wait on a piece like that and be able to come uh -huh. back to it, um, or just, you know, what are those things that have, have kind of come along that have, uh, maybe stopped you from time to time from being able to write or what are those stumbling blocks that you've kind of hit along the way? Okay. So, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm an addict in recovery okay. and I share that because I notice in my writing that I go through these periods of intensity when I have a, a you know, I almost perseverate. Okay. And, and the way that that addicts do, um, where I'll become completely consumed 
with the project. Like when I knew that I wanted to write each of these books, I became completely consumed with them. They, you know, it's what I would be thinking about. I would see a poem somewhere. I would come home and it's what I would want to do with all of my free time. Um, and what I'm finding now, and I was just saying this to Lynn the other day, is that I don't have a project. Oh. So I'm finding that it's re I haven't really written anything in a couple of months, hmm. maybe more. Once I finished the books and once they found homes, um, something happens in my brain, like something shifts in my brain. So I'm waiting for that next project or that next focus for my writing. And that can be really, really frustrating. Um, and I'm, I'm finding that like emotionally it can be hard, you know, like I don't, I don't feel like I have an anchor when I'm not in writing mode. I would say for me, that's, that's the biggest obstacle in terms of time. I know it's very hard to find time but somehow when I have that focus that, you know, it finds me the time just kind of. Right. Finds me. Nice. Well, I think that takes us kind of toward, toward the end of things uh, with the question of what are you excited about right now in the world of, of poetry? What is, what is really uh, like, what are you waiting to open up and read? What do you want to tell people about? Um, and then, uh, what is coming out for you soon? Well, I just received um, Kai Coggins' new book, Mining for Stardust. And I just absolutely adore her as a human being. Um, so I have that on my shelf and I'm really excited to, to start reading that. Um, you know, I'm always just kind of waiting for the, it's weird whenever, like the books, the collections that speak to me the most are the ones that sometimes I have a feeling about when I see the poet or um, if I hear that person, um, you know, read something, I just know that I need to, to have that book. So there are so many talented poets with books coming up and as soon as we're done I'm gonna be like why didn't I mention that person um but you know Kai is is the one that I have that's on my radar right now um I th there's just there's just so many I should scan my bookshelf well it was um, a, I think the pandemic allowed allowed us to hear a lot of new voices the amount of virtual readings uh -huh. um, almost daily virtual readings uh it sometimes gave us gave us a bookshelf full of things to uh to read uh -huh. um so what is uh what is coming up next for you what can we what can we be excited about for uh for your next few months well in january actually today was the cover release of my first chapbook with Ooh. harbor editions congratulations um, Thank you. And the title of it is How to Make Pancakes for a Dead Boy. Um, and it's the entire collection is all poems about my nephew. Um, and also a little bit about parenting in the aftermath of losing a child in the family. Um, that comes out in January. Awesome. Hopefully in March, 
my book Night Swim will be coming out with diode editions. And I'm, I say hopefully because I'm going to AWP. Oh. So I'm hoping to, to have copies of the book to bring with me. Um, cool. I'm on a panel at AWP this year uh, nice. with, with Ashley Jones, um, Leo Amansky, uh, a few other people um, on the panel. I don't want to butcher people's last names, so I'm not going to say them. Um, and then in May, I have a chapbook called If Rust Could Grow on the Moon, which is coming out with um, Milk and Cake Press. Wonderful. So I'm really, I'm really excited. And, and I know that's a long ways away, but I can say uh, since it was a finalist for, uh, for hours for the poetry question contest, that that is, that is what I am so excited uh, was, was picked up. Uh, and I, I'm really, I'm excited for next May to, uh, to have that one to read. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I love the choices that, that you guys made. I can't wait to read them too. Ah, thank, thank you. you. Uh, well, thank you so much for hanging out with us on TPQ20. And we look forward to seeing what comes up next. Thank you so much. It was very nice to meet you both. Have a great night. You as well. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe.